52 Sketches, Episode 5, Rock Musician Arden Lee. Welcome to 52 Sketches, a podcast about creativity and creative practices. Here's your host, Rob Head. Welcome to the 52 Sketches podcast. I am your host, Rob Head. We're here to talk about living a creative life, creativity, hacks, and practices, habits, strategies for making wonderful things. Today, I'm so pleased to welcome Arden Lee, a performing artist and facilitator living and working in Los Angeles. Arden Lee is the creator and facilitator of the Repatterning Project, a course in understanding the human operating system and repatterning trauma imprints and social conditioning in order to achieve creative freedom. She is also the creator and frontwoman of indie pop rock project, Arden and the Wolves. Little taste of Who Can You Trust by Arden and the Wolves. Mm. So, I love that track. It's so good. So welcome, Arden Lee. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Wonderful. So it's so good to have you on the show. You know, uh, I always like to start these interviews by uh, going back to your backstory. You know, if we, let's write the graphic novel backstory for, for you. And uh, tell me a little bit about your creative upbringing. Did you sing, dance, draw, play an instrument, cook, act, write? You know, what were you involved in growing up? Oh, yeah. I was always a musical theater geek, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I grew up on, uh, you know, grew up on Broadway musicals, uh, grew up thinking that uh, I was going to, you know, going to go into acting and specifically go into musical theater. It was sort of my my dream as a as a kid was to be on Broadway. And then I got uh-huh. to NYU and 9-11 happened. <laughs> wow. And what the, timing. Yeah, I know. Right. And um and the face of theater really changed after that. So, uh, you know, there were mm. there were fewer producers who were willing to take as many creative risks, and Broadway ended up looking a lot like um, a lot like Disney and a lot like Mamma Mia. And the things that I had really loved growing up, um, the really mm. the really more sort of um, like um, more psychologically intense musical theater, yeah. such as mm-hmm. like, like Jason Robert Brown with like songs for a new world. And, you know, there mm-hmm. were the two, uh, editions of the wild party that came out the same year, you know, like interesting, creative kind of dark and innovative stuff just kind of went by the wayside because people didn't want to take those creative risks anymore. So there I was, you know, having graduated NYU and being mm. like, I don't even really know if I want to audition for the things that are going up now. This is not what I envisioned for myself. And I think really that my relationship with theater when I was growing up was that theater was the one place when I was a child where I could really touch the sublime. Mm. I think that was my connection. And so, um, so I find that now (laughs) I find ways (laughs) of, of meeting those needs that don't necessarily need to go, um, through theater itself. But of course, when I was a child growing up, like that was, if you, if you imagine it in like a Joseph Campbell kind of sense, you know, between like uh-huh. the ordinary world and the, and the mystical world, you know, the world of the mm-hmm. sublime. Sure. That the for theater me was what's your special I, world. Yeah. That's how I accessed that. So thankfully mm-hmm. now, now that I've gone insane and just lost my mind, I can access that whenever I want. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up 9-11 because I feel like we're in a sort of a parallel point in history right now where uh, all the rules are changed in the pandemic. And, um, uh, you know, it's um, it's sort of a new world. There's, there are no shows right now. There's no, 
you know, no music shows, no theater, nothing. Yeah. And so we're in this uh, unknown territory. How has that changed your approach? Yeah. You know what? It hasn't really changed much at all for me. (laughs) And if anything, (laughs) actually, I, I count myself, I count myself incredibly lucky that actually, if anything, I have managed to find a lot of personal silver linings in this quarantine. Mm. Um, Mm. And and this has more to do with my work in the repatterning project naturally. And there's Mm -hmm. a lot of us out there who have a bit of a more, you know, spiritual or oracular kind of bent who have been feeling the fact that 2020 was going to be a really big and really transformative year. I don't think Mm -hmm. all of us knew exactly what it would look like. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anybody predicted this, yeah. No, yeah, Yeah. exactly. But we knew something big was coming. Mm -hmm. And the work that I've been doing on myself since 2016 and with other people since 2018 has absolutely led to... um, you know, has been all the prep work to lead to this place. Essentially, the work that I do in the repatterning project Mm -hmm. is kind of like Marie Kondo for your mind-body system, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you imagine that, you know, all of us are born with these really brilliant human computers, and we're not Mm -hmm. given a, a user's manual as to how they work. And so we get frustrated thinking that we're running programs on them that we assume should be working in certain ways, but which actually Mm -hmm. aren't running in the ways that they're supposed to. And it's not our fault. It's just we've Mm -hmm. installed a faulty program, right? It's either either a a virus or it's an app that's just taking up too much bandwidth and not actually doing what it's supposed to do. And that's the way that we look at our our patterns, our beliefs, and our habits. Mm -hmm. And... Mm -hmm. The mixed blessing, you know, that's, I mean, that's Mm -hmm. a really awfully optimistic, you know, to the, to the point of perhaps bypassing. And I don't subscribe to doing that, you know, way of describing Mm -hmm. this, um, way of describing this, this tragedy that's happening to our country. But the one thing Mm -hmm. that it has done, it is, is, is that it has shown us everywhere that we have systems in place that are not working. Our healthcare right. is obviously not working. Our mm-hmm. preparation for something for for something like this was obviously not working. Our education mm-hmm. system obviously not working. Uh, the wealth gap, right? Late capitalism itself. Again, mm-hmm. we have Jeff Bezos, who's on track to be a trillionaire right now through his abuse right. and exploitation of his employees through you know Amazon and Whole Foods and whatever else part mm-hmm. of the world that he mm-hmm. owns, you know. Right. My former and boss. All of that by the is way. becoming <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So so we're just we're just going right to the jugular on this one, right? We are burning yeah, all yeah, the bridges. Yeah. <laughs> we 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 hung out in the cafeteria a couple times about twenty years ago. Oh gosh. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. It's fascinating. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's it's really uh, interesting for you to frame things as as programming and as like apps installed. Uh, my business partner, Damien, and I both are uh, software developers in addition to being artists of various descriptions. And, and so this is sort of uh, exactly the metaphor that resonates with us. Um, so this, this type of work that you're doing now, I want to back up again for a moment and sort of fill in yeah. the gap between your, your sort of childhood and, and it sounded like maybe you went to uh, NYU for undergrad. Did you, uh, you know, how did you get from there to here? You know, did you, did you have important moments, important mentors, you know, how, how did that transition happen? Oh yeah. If it's a transition, in fact. 
For sure. Um, well, yeah, it, it, there were several transitions. <laughs> the way that I can, that I can best describe it mm-hmm. is we go back to that place where, you know, I've graduated NYU and mm-hmm. I've invested now, um, you know, a whole ton of, of time and energy into a theater degree and then come out Your into life a world up to that, that is no yeah. longer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I come mm-hmm. out into a life where, where the kind of theater that is being produced is no longer, no longer sparking joy, shall we say. Okay. This right. is not what I had necessarily planned for. Right. And I did a right. couple regional shows coming out of college and I was lucky. I got to do, to do some, some shows I really liked, you know, I got to do, mm-hmm. uh, I got to understudy Sally Bowles and cabaret. Like that was very cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. But more and more, I was just seeing the fact that I had, I had signed up for this life where I thought I was going to be you know, suffering for my art, but that it would be worth it, right? Where I was going to be like starving right. in a tiny appoint- apartment in New York, eating candles. But at least you'd be doing butter. great work, you know? Yeah. Right. But it would, it would be worth it. Yeah. And that's what everyone mm-hmm. told me growing up. Oh, you're going to, mm-hmm. you're going to be a starving artist. You're going to, you know, and I, I heard, and I internalized all those messages, you know, which, which right. that'll, mm-hmm. that'll be relevant later, you know, naturally. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Talking mm-hmm. about internalizing programming and, and mm-hmm. looking at the beliefs of what we, what we believe is possible for ourselves so right from there um i was bartending i was miserable mm-hmm. and okay. i ended up through a series of strange events um which involved getting involved with a theater company in new york that produced the first play that i wrote and like many theater nice. groups they were uh they were very larpy and very kinky there's a lot of crossover mm-hmm. there right okay. i'm sure that's not okay. that's not a far leap right like you're with me on that right yep <laughs> yeah right so it was that brand of theater people and that mm-hmm. was how i was introduced to the bdsm scene and i mm-hmm. ended up within a year i ended up um applying for a job as a professional dominatrix okay because, so did, and, was this yeah. something that you would never have imagined, you know, three years earlier or? Yeah, abs- well, it's interesting looking back at it now because certainly I would not have imagined that three years earlier, but it, it, it is mm-hmm. certainly safe to say that I was very, I was sexually, I was very much a late bloomer. And mm-hmm. when this world opened up to me, it was like all of a sudden I saw other possibilities for myself outside of my current ego constructs, you know, that I had been mm-hmm. that good girl. I'd gone to Catholic school. I was always a rule follower, you know, mm-hmm. like I was, I was very much like a good girl kind of archetype and mm-hmm. in involving myself in this world and finding out that there were ways, you know, ideally of, um, playing safely and, and that things could be consensual and, and all this stuff. Although, to, to be honest, I had real, <laughs> I, I really had no grip on an understanding of informed consent at that point because, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I didn't really have a lot of personal boundaries, but, right. um, but basically I, I got involved in that world. So, and from there, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from there yeah. to neuro linguistic programming, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually. And actually it really was there from there to neuro linguistic programming because, um, hypnosis is also a fetish. And okay. I met a, right. a dom who gave a training at our house who was, uh, who was a hypnotist, who was a, hi- a hypno-dom. So, so there we are. You're going to regret asking me my origin story because there is a lot. I'm just warning you. I'm yeah. happy to talk about all of it, but. Uh, <laughs> well, okay, also, so... I have autism, so, <laughs> so I absolutely a, a, don't know when to stop. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, boundaries. Uh, so, <laughs> um, all right. So, never quite thought of it this way, but it's it, it that particular style of relationship is sort of an explicit version of an unhealthy uh, codependent relationship or dependent relationship. Uh, exactly. Isn't yeah. that fascinating? And yet, yeah. the BDSM community will absolutely advocate for their right to practice BDSM, right? Mm -hmm. So one mm -hmm. of the things that I say quite often in my course is a phrase that, that goes, check your temples for termites, right? Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is that my codependent issues hid in the sanctuary of sexual freedom. Right. Yeah. Right. So what happened then is that I was so invested, I call it like the, the Jurassic Park theory of beliefs, right? My scientists mm -hmm. were so concerned about whether we could that we didn't stop to think about whether we should. Right. Right. Okay. I have the right, I have the freedom to engage in this relationship with these power dynamics and not be persecuted or shamed by outside people. I'm hearing a, an yet, epiphany at the coming. Same time that, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that prevented me from looking at it with a critical eye either because anything, any kind of criticism mm -hmm. sounded like kink shaming, right? Right. And I would said I would have said don't kink shame me. This is my this is my sexual orientation. This is who I am, right? Right. right. And it right. felt that way for sure. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm so naturally what I wasn't looking at was a whole ton of trauma that was underneath that that was also playing out in this codependent relationship on loop, right? <laughs> right. Sure. So I ended up getting into NLP actually um, because uh, uh, actually because the man who I was in the relationship with um, was into things like NLP for mind control and seduction and pickup and things like that. And we were, mm -hmm. um, I was also in that world. Hmm. So these are all, these are all iterations of, of the, of a similar need within you to outsource your, your boundaries as you as you said. Exactly. Yeah. None of which I was aware of at the time. So mm -hmm. that sort of leads us to what I teach today, which is that in 2016, four years ago, mm -hmm. okay. I had a spiritual awakening. And by which, by that, I basically mean that I got to the end, the logical conclusion of the end mm. of my patterns. And I saw that I had reached the law of diminishing returns, right? I had right. reached that point where I am doing the same thing over and over again, and it's not working. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, at some point, I have to admit to myself that I know nothing, Jon Snow, and <laughs> right. I need to throw up my hands and admit that you know I was getting out of a, a sort of situationship at that time where it was like, wow, how did I let things get this bad? How did mm -hmm. I, how did I let things get so bad that I am? deeply emotionally entangled with a man who doesn't even notice that I've left until six weeks later. <laughs> you know, wow. how, how did, how did, yeah. how was I so stuck in these, what I now understand to be people pleasing, right? Right. How right. was I so stuck in these patterns that I had learned that, mm. that I really genuinely believed were going to work for me and obviously mm -hmm. didn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and, yeah. yeah. So how do we uh, come around to, so it sounds like today you have really two things going on in your life. You have your workshops and you have your work as an artist. So, yep. um, yeah. So uh, 
talk to me a little bit about what your life looks like now. Like, how do you, what are your daily practices? How do you, how do you care for yourself? Uh, you know, uh, you're a singer uh, among other things. So how do you care for your instrument? How do you, how do you keep your life healthy so that you're able to continue to produce and create? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I would, I would say that the way that I maintain now is Mm -hmm. precisely by doing all the work between 2016 and now that I did to repattern, right? Doing Mm -hmm. all of that self-awareness work and excavating um, those patterns that I had that weren't working for me, right? The patterns, beliefs, and Mm -hmm. habits and unconscious trauma imprints and all that and going and doing that work you know, whether, um, whether it was, uh, doing the research, you know, compiling, you know, information that I learned in a ton of books, which nobody, when I was undergoing, you know, when I was seeking traditional therapy or traditional psychiatric practices, you know, or being medicated Mm -hmm. in my twenties, which no one had told me about, everyone was like, Oh, well, you must just be anxious or depressed. Right. And no one was looking into the fact that actually, you know, I had no boundaries. I was in a codependent, mm-hmm. abusive relationship. And the reason I had no boundaries was because of childhood trauma, right? I just hadn't put any of those things together. Right. And so instead of addressing it from the perspective that you have agency to change your life, they just said, well, you have these problems, you have these symptoms, here's the medications that treat those symptoms. Right, right. You yeah, have anxiety, yeah. you have depression, you might even have borderline personality disorder, right? Don't don't get me mm-hmm. started on that one, right? Mm-hmm. Because okay. that's like, that's, that, that's borderline personality disorder is something that describes a cluster of symptoms that is almost um, completely indistinguishable from PTSD and especially mm-hmm. from early complex PTSD. So it's like mm-hmm. we slap labels on people and we give them these, these diagnoses. And so right. if, if you're asking me about my current practices today, it's like, mm-hmm. I feel great. Are you kidding I wake up in the day and um, I get to do work that I love. I like to think of our bodies as houses that we live in, that our spirits live in. Right. And if we are stockpiling all of these trauma responses and repressing, um, you know, all all of the the things within ourselves, all the experience and all of the emotions that we haven't had time to make space for. It's like living mm. in a hoarder house, you know? Yeah. We don't have space to live. We've, yeah. we're, we're all, yeah. Under exactly. piles of baggage, our baggage. Yeah. 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 Fascinating. So the process of repatterning is essentially going in and Marie Kondoing a hoarder house. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this is fascinating. So you you know what? Yeah. <laughs> have you seen the tool that uh, <laughs> that we've built? Our early words is 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 a version of morning pages that uh, Julia Cameron uh, describes in in uh, the artist way, and and that's oh, sort of cool. the objective there too is to is to write out you know <laughs> uh, three pages worth of uh, just the mental noise in your head in the first thing in the morning, and and it, I guess it's a it's not unlike. Uh, your Marie Kondo uh, analogy. Yeah. Um, so that's a daily practice that's like taking out the trash every day, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so what I do in the ahead. course is essentially is, is go through the whole house, right? Mm-hmm. Daily, the daily practices that I do now would be about as effective as taking out the everyday trash in a hoarder house. <laughs> mm-hmm. If I hadn't, mm-hmm gone through right. and done my repatterning, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So the pattern, yeah. 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 Fascinating. Uh, so you, not only are you teaching these, these, 
workshops, but you're also a singer and you're writing books. And so you're, you've some, you're finding time to write music and write books and, and, and how does that look? Is that, is that something you do on a schedule? Is that something you do, um, as the spirit moves you? How does that work? Yeah, I would say it's, um, I would say it's about 80% spirit and 20% schedule. And, Mm. uh, I decided at the start of 2016, right around that time when I had my, you know, my awakening or repatterning to spend, depending on, you know, (laughs) how Mm -hmm. spiritual of a perspective you want to look at it from. Sure. I decided at that point, I was like, I was like, you know what? I'm at the point in my life where I've let, I've let too much kind of fall by the wayside, you know, in terms of that initial disappointment with preparing myself for a career in theater and then realizing that that was not going to manifest in the way that I had hoped. I was like, I've always loved singing. And your values changed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And yeah, you went to the mountain, but the mountain was different when you got there. (laughs) Precisely. Yeah. 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 So 2016 was the time in my life where I had to say, all right, given where I am right now, what do I want to do and how am I going to mm-hmm. exist as a creative in this world? And what is, what is important to me? Cause I'd studied, you know, acting, singing, you know, I'd gone to, mm-hmm. I'd taken some film classes and here I am in LA and I write books and what am I going to do? Mm. So I decided, I said, all right, I'm going to commit to my band. I'm going to commit to my identity as a singer because mm-hmm. it is the one creative realm where I know that I can have creative control. I can mm. write my own songs. I can right. produce my own videos and there'll be ideas that will come from me. The problem with theater that I had was once I got there, the kind of theater that I wasn't, that I wanted to do wasn't really existing anymore. And even if I went into film acting, I would be at the mercy of being cast by other people. And I'd be like, well, right. are these roles You're a I co- really want to do? a very small cog <laughs> in a giant machine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, you know, it's like, an actor could work for a long time and then get like some, you know, like lead role on a cop show, you know, Mm -hmm. and be like, yes, I finally got my big job. But I'd look at that and be like, I don't want to be a cop. (laughs) You know, (laughs) that's not what I signed up for. So, yeah. So I decided. This is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I wanted to, to, to drill down on this because it's, it's interesting to look at if you were to pull out like a, mega trend of the 21st century and you look at the younger uh artists coming up it, it, they're getting rid of the they're disintermediating right they're saying i'm going to stream on twitch or i'm going to you know make youtube shows or whatever it is that they're doing but they uh have discovered that they can make their way in the world without being part of some giant machine other than the platforms that they're, you know, involved in, yes, um, which absolutely. is fascinating, right? Because we did not have that opportunity 20 years ago. Yeah. It's a new that's world. another big thing that is really, really different. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's an evolution of opportunity. Yeah. And I am still yeah. like to, just to be clear, I'm still not at all a self-produced artist. I write mm-hmm. my vocal parts. I write my melodies and lyrics and I have an idea of how I want the song to feel, you know, what, what the energetic signature of it should be. So I can do you collaborate like, with the band songs. on the rest or how do you, I collaborate with producers. So I okay. hire producers. Yeah. I hire mm-hmm. producers mm-hmm. to work with me and I'll go to them and I'll be like, this is the song that I wrote and here's how I'm looking to bring it to life. And, you know, can you, can you help me make this basically? So I end up being Mm -hmm. sort of like a, a creative director and 
you know, essentially having final say because I'm I'm typically the one you know paying for the right. session. Yeah. You know, right. <laughs> like you're having, the artist. Yeah, right. Exactly. Having yeah. that final say, but but relying on the skill sets of other people because I was just never. I never felt like an insider in any way in the music industry. You know, I, I come from a musical theater background. I'm a trained singer. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of audio production, that was always, and even doing shows, like, you know, you're not, I Somebody was never in job. a recording booth. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. Singing into a microphone for the first time was a whole new experience, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right, so that, right. that was a whole new, yeah. Yeah. Just not like learning to not sing for the stage was in itself, you know, it's its own whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so my decision was basically, um, yeah, I'm going to commit to, I'm going to commit to Arden and the Wolves as a project, because if I can make Arden and the Wolves successful, mm-hmm. I can translate that into video. I can translate it into, you know, potentially moving on into an acting career, you know, I, because mm-hmm. I have that right. skill set already, but I don't want right. to try and be an actor. I want to try and be a brand where it's like, oh, we cast Taylor Swift and Cats, or we cast Dita Von Teese in this episode of, of CSI or or whatever that is. Right. right. Because you have a certain amount of notoriety from your other work and you're a, you're a sort of multi, one of our other guests called it multi-hyphenate, you know, yeah. I'm, a, I'm an actor, <laughs> singer you know, <laughs> that's dancer. precisely I, it. You, yeah. And how right, do I make exactly. myself valuable beyond just looking like I'm a jack of all trades and a master of none. Right. 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 And right. for me, that answer was in music because it, it involves writing, mm-hmm. it involves performing and it involves mm-hmm. creation, um, you know, and performing on stage as well as performing in video. Um, and it involves writing, you know, songwriting. So, so creating from that, um, you know, from that, that, zero point, right? Creating from that mm-hmm. space of originality. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I decided to commit to that. And then, uh, so I committed to myself as an artist and mm-hmm. it became very clear that if I wanted my career to move as mm-hmm. quickly as I wanted it to, right? then I was going to need to find a way to fund my music a lot better, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I was going to need to find a way to, to move out of, you know, teaching pickup here and there, having nightlife gigs, you know, um, mm-hmm. working uh, uh, like millennial, you know, diversified income, you know, modeling jobs right. here or there and, and just regular hustling. I was like, this is not yeah. going to cut it anymore. Right. Okay. And so that, did doors open? Yeah. Did you find, did you find a path? Well, I, I did, but I made those doors. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us about that. So how would you, how would you guide someone else to follow that, that, uh, precedent? Yeah. So during the space between 2016 and 2018, where I had this awakening, where I realized all of these patterns, you know, and, and again, Mm -hmm. I, I do feel that this, this came from in many ways from the intention setting of me saying, you know, on the one hand, okay, here I am committing to myself as an artist. I better actually get my life together and do something. You know, I've been just this sort of, again, jack of all trades, master of none for years and just kind of doing, oh, a photo shoot here and and talk about this there. And I have all these things that I can do, but no one thing that I'm really committing to. So it came mm-hmm. out of that. And it also came out of that. Again, I, I looked at where I was with my relationships and coming out and saying, if it, if I let things get this bad, then clearly I don't know what I'm doing. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. from those, those sort of 
two intentions of just me being like, I need to make some changes. I don't know what they are at this point, but I just know that I can't go about doing things the way that I've been doing them. So I moved forward. So, so these, these two things are inextricable, yeah. it seems. Uh, and, and, and the way you've described them, doing the personal work of figuring out, you know, uh, who you are and what life is about and committing to yourself as an artist are inextricably bound. <laughs> it, that, that's, the, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. And I don't think I would have known to articulate that at the time, but I just Mm, knew I was just like, all right, uh, you know, here I am at this point in my life and I'm not where Mm -hmm. I want to be. And I set an intention. I was like, all right, I want, you know, I want my partnership. I want a healthy relationship. And clearly what I'm Mm -hmm. doing, the things that I've learned are not actually getting me that relationship that I thought that they would. Right. And at the same time, you know, yes, that also that desire for stability and that desire for, um, for self-actualization as an artist too, that Mm -hmm. desire to actually commit to myself. Right. And so those things sort of brought about, um, a series of events that really mirrored to me. And and this is a thing that I teach and a thing that I greatly believe in is that when we set Mm -hmm. an intention and we commit to it and we surrender, right. And we say, Mm -hmm. all right, universe, Mm -hmm. I know nothing. Teach me, teach me your ways. Mm-hmm. Even though we don't know what that is going to look like, we couldn't possibly know what that's going to look like when we start. Because if we knew, we would be there all If we knew, right? we wouldn't need to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But yeah. I really, truly believe, and I've seen evidence of this in my life, I've seen it in my clients' lives, that when we make that definite commitment, that things start to move and things start to happen that give us all the information that we need to move forward. And that's what happened for me. By about 2018, um, my EP came out. My first EP, I'd released a couple EPs before, but this is the first one that I really committed to and put a marketing plan behind and really invested in myself and said, I'm going to take myself seriously as a musical artist. This is no longer just right. a vanity project. This is something I'm, I'm committed okay. to. And at about that time, people started asking me, Arden, would you ever consider putting together a course on what you did for your, your healing and transformation uh, journey? It all comes because together. We okay, see, I see. Yeah, I, uh-huh, I, I know. I uh-huh. promise I was going somewhere with this the whole time, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, beautiful. Well, thank you, <laughs> Arden. Uh, thank you so much for taking yeah. the time to, uh, to, to talk with us. And Yeah, my pleasure. And just in conclusion, you know, essentially by doing that work and creating the course, I basically created a life where I can support myself and I can support my music mm. and that I can do what I love and wake up to a life that, that I love mm. and continue creating from that place of abundance where I can run my business in a way that supports my music. And I can create my music in a way that, that hopefully, you know, promotes and markets my coaching because it's, it's the literal incarnation of showing me mm. creating um, a life that I'm in love with and committing to my dreams. So so I think we wrap Beautiful. that up I like just finally in that last, yeah. in that last, that last snippet. Yeah. We, got, we got through everything. And thank you again because yeah. I know that there is there is certainly a lot in my history that is, um, mm-hmm. like, I, like I said, there are many rabbit holes to go down. So thank you for holding space for all that. <laughs> You're welcome. You're so welcome. I, I feel that uh, your particular journey really represents uh, – a very common shared dream of like, you know, we want to, we want to live our best life. And, and, uh, for creative folks, that's usually has to do with, uh, you know, constructing that life consciously, uh, ourselves. So thank you so much for showing us one, one, uh, one path and, uh, and all the work that you've done. Thank you so much. Absolutely.
absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. The 52 Sketches Podcast is a product of 52 Sketches, makers of earlywords.io, daily, private, stream of consciousness writing to clear your mind and unlock your creativity.